I didn't realize how traumatized I was growing up in my evangelical church. I didn't realize how the very poor translations of the Bible that impose the bondage of the law on me are not God's heart. That's a man-created religion that Jesus never came to create. Let's talk what it means that the world is now, in my view, post-evangelical on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com. For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush for brains, evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right, that is the open for the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Glad you're with me today. I'm Paul. Uh, I am the Nonpartisan Evangelical, and glad you're with me on the podcast today as we talk about what it means to live in a post-evangelical world. So here's what I mean by post-evangelical. And, and if you watch on TikTok, if you watch Evangelicalish tonight at six o'clock Pacific, you see a lot of people talking about this, the idea of, of deconstruction. A lot of people are deconstructing their faith, which means I don't think I believe the same things that I used to believe. And so deconstruction is a really popular word. I don't like deconstruction because I'm not much into destroying things. I'm into building. I'm not much into saying, I hate what used to be. I want to say, where are we going now? I guess I'm a little more futuristic. If you've ever done strength finders, futuristic is one of my number one strengths in strength finders. And so I'm not trying to destroy the evangelical church. Now, some people then have moved from the term deconstruction to reconstruction. I don't want to deconstruct my faith. I want to reconstruct into what I believe now. And I like that term a lot too. And I've spent the last two years after stepping out of a senior leader role of a church trying to say, hey, evangelical church, there's an issue. And let me point it out to you. And I found something very quickly. The evangelical church doesn't give a shit if they're right or wrong. They, they, they just want to believe what they believe. That intellectual curiosity is something that's not encouraged. And when I have evangelicals commenting on my TikTok pages, they don't want to engage in discussion. They want to condemn and tell people they're wrong, and they are afraid of new ideas. And so reconstruction, I think now is not a possibility. And so I'm going to tell you something, and then I'm going to, I'm going to go to some Bible to back it up, because that's what I do as Pastor Paul, of why I see this is, this is happening. And, and so, you know, if you don't believe 
in the Bible or Christianity, that's okay. Just hang in there with me and, and we'll, we'll talk those things through. You don't have to believe in Christianity the way I, I've believed in it my whole life. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go. Some of you may or may not believe in the supernatural and supernatural experiences. I believe, and I have a, a friend that practices Buddhism on a regular basis. I have another friend that calls herself an earthist. Uh, I did a podcast with Rev Carla from TikTok, if you guys know Rev Carla. And all of us have had this discussion of, what do you think about the supernatural? Are we able to connect to heaven, to God, to, to something supernatural? Or the Buddhists may say, find something spiritual inside ourselves that gives us a wisdom that's outside ourselves, or at least outside of our conscious selves. And so you may not, may or may not believe in those supernatural things, but many of us in our culture do. And I, I do believe, I don't know how I define it necessarily as I am in my reconstruction period, but I know that I've heard wisdom from outside myself. At times that sounded like a voice that I would characterize as God. And one time in my life, I would even say, I believe I heard an audible voice with nobody around that I would say that was God. Now, I'm not going to argue with you if you say, well, that came from somewhere inside your mind or so. I, I'm not going to argue with it. I'm just going to tell you I heard something that was impactful and life-changing to me. And so this happened to me in 2018. I, I, this, I started seeing people around me, you know, even, you know, around the 2016 election, but even well before that, I had watched Christians starting to have this right-wing narrative that I thought, this is really destructive in the church. And in 2018, then the QAnon stuff really started coming. I started realizing the people around me, people in my church were like major conspiracy theorists and, and, and beyond anything I had ever imagined. And, and I had already for a while been saying, hey, evangelical church, you've got to change. You've got to change. So I was reading the newspaper one day. And I don't know if you remember this, in 2018, there was a, a, a limousine accident in New York where a bunch of partygoers in a limousine, 18 people in a limousine, crashed into pedestrians, and all 18 people in the limousine died, and the two pe pedestrians died. And so I was reading the paper, and it said 20 people were killed, 18 of them partygoers inside the limousine. And as I was reading that, I felt something supernatural come to me. Again, I'm not going to argue with you about was it God or was it my brain or something else. I just had a sense of something in my spirit saying, Paul, pay attention to what you just read. So I went back and read it again. 20 people were killed. 18 were partygoers in the limousine. And I just had this sense in my spirit that those numbers represented 2018, which was the year the limousine riders represented a generation, the boomer generation. They were partying, you know, they're running up big deficits. They don't care if the planet is going to be around for their kids. The boomers are party goers. It, we're, we're taking care of ourselves and the rest of, you know, Xers, millennials, Zers, be damned. We're just having a party. Uh, King Hezekiah in the Bible was an example of like, hey, my sins are going to be visited on my kids. Isn't that awesome? And that's how I characterize the boomer generation. And somebody's going to say, oh, that's not fair. That's not all of us. It is the mindset of a generation, though. It is the spirit of a generation. 
We want ourselves to be taken care of. And, and yes, we care about our, our own grandchildren, but your grandchildren, we couldn't possibly care less. And those grandchildren out there, who cares? So the 18 and the people in the limousine represented uh, the boomer generation and the two pedestrians represented two generations, the millennials and the Gen Zers and the boomers in my vision or, or my or the story I was hearing in my spirit were destroying two generations with their party going. And, and so this, this voice I was hearing in my spirit then said, 2018 is the year of no return for the limousine generation, for the boomer generation. And, and I just had a sense in my spirit that, that that was saying, the boomers have made their choice. And, and specifically the evangelical boomers. And, and they're not going to be able to turn it around anymore. We always believe like God's going to let us repent. There is something in the Bible about an unpardonable sin. But I would, I would classify this like the, the, the story of Pharaoh in the plagues of Egypt. And if you read that story of the plagues of Egypt, at the start, the early plagues, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then in the middle plagues, it says Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And then the last plagues, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Like at the end, Pharaoh could no longer turn. And so again, you could say, you know, that's God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Or maybe we're just reading a story that's emblematic of, of the way hum, humanity works and human mindset works. And, for, and so whatever happened, my sense was in 2018 that I wasn't going to be able to speak to the evangelical church and change its mind anymore. They were now a generation like Jesus talked about the Pharisees in the Bible. They no longer have eyes to see or ears to hear or hearts to understand. And so I, I, I sort of felt like this God talking to me in my spirit that I wasn't going to be able to talk to the boomer generation and say, hey, guys, we're a little bit off. Let's turn it around. But at the same time, I felt like what this message was for me is you've got to speak it out and make the declaration. Nobody's going to listen to you. In fact, Paul, they're going to hate you for it. But I need somebody to make the declaration that God's going to have that declaration made. And, and then that, that will happen. And so let me talk about where that is in the Bible. And I know, I know somebody who's saying, um, you know, I see somebody in TikTok saying, I, I don't, I disagree about the boomer, but, but that is the spirit of the generation. And it is the spirit of the evangelical generation that says, you know, we would rather have Donald Trump, this horrible person as president, than turn our hearts back to God. That's how hardened the hearts have become. And so I just felt like, okay, it's your job to go out, Paul, and make this declaration. And through history, God has made, uh, asked people to come along and make that declaration. And so let me show you a little bit of where that happened in the Bible. And then I'm trying to look up the verse now. So one of those guys was Jeremiah. And if we look at the, the, the chapter Jeremiah 5 in the Bible, uh, we see Jeremiah making this declaration and telling the people, uh, oh, by the way, it's not going to happen. Jeremiah, Jeremiah's job, if you read the book of Jeremiah in the Bible, um, he was at a time when Babylon looked like it was becoming a military threat to Israel. And there were these prophets running around saying, we're God's people. We can't be hurt. 
God won't let this happen to us. Babylon is not going to take us over. And Jeremiah was this guy in the middle of it all saying, oh, oh no, <laughs> God has judged us because of our lack of caring for the poor, the, the foreigner, and the marginalized, which is his major command in the Bible. And so he is going to allow us to be taken over. But we're going to be taken over for 70 years, and we're going to come back repentant and changed. And, and I believe that's the message of today. But let me, so let me show you how this declaration was made. Jeremiah uh, was told, Ezekiel's another prophet that was told like, go share this word. And oh, by the way, they're not going to hear you. And so I felt like that's what my spirit was telling me is like, okay, Paul, you're going to go share this word. And this evangelical church is not going to be able to hear it. And that's okay. You're just going to share, share it anyway. So let me read from Jeremiah 5. Uh, and I could read a whole lot more, but so Jeremiah 5.20, Jeremiah is, is writing this, and it says, declare this in the house of Jacob, proclaim it in Judah. So this is Jeremiah sharing a word from heaven to his people. And it says, hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes, but see not, who have ears, but hear not. So that's a curse that's being spoken. That's it, Isaiah 6 is where we see this. And then Jesus is seen in the New Testament reciting a curse like this, saying that those religious people, this religious system, it no longer has eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, they, they can't change because they've lost their ability to hear what God is doing in a season. And so God says this in Jeremiah 5.21, you foolish and senseless people who have ears but see not, I mean, have eyes but see not and ears but hear not. And he talks about verse 23, this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. This people has a stubborn and rebellious heart and have turned aside and gone away. And so we could keep, keep going down. He starts to then declare kind of what the sin of the season is in verse 27. Their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and rich. They have grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of evil. They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper. And they do not defend the rights of the needy. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? And shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? So this is what a biblical declaration from God looks like. Here's, here's my judgment on you. All through the Bible, God is saying, I will judge a people who don't have a lot of hospitality, who don't have hearts for the poor and the foreigner, the widow and the marginalized. And when that happens, eventually I will have somebody step up and say, hey, if we don't change, we're in trouble. And then sudden, and then finally somebody will jump up and say, Hey, we've made our choice. Like the generation at the edge of the Jordan River, you're going to have to turn around and march in the desert so another generation can come along and inherit the promise of God. And so this is what I was hearing in that season. I know it's kind of hard to hear. Uh, scripture again, please. So I was reading from Jeremiah 5. I didn't read every verse, but I, I started in um, verse 20. And right there, I went through verse 28. And so again, the judgment here is they've become great and rich. They, they, they want to prosper. They're, they're prospering. And they've grown fat and sleek. That means they have more than enough and, and, and all this great stuff. And then it starts to say they know no bounds in deeds of evil. 
Because why? Because they judged not with justice, or that word would be shalom or welfare. And what are they not judging, right? The cause of the fatherless. The fatherless would have been in those days the poor. If you didn't have a father, you had no way to bring income into the household. So the fatherless would mean homeless, poor. So you're not judging with justice the cause of the fatherless. They were, they were commanded to never have poor people in the Jewish religion. Uh, and even when Jesus quoted the poor we always have with you, he was quoting a verse in Deuteronomy that says, the poor you'll always have with you. So make sure you go to them with an open hand so that you never have, so that they're not poor anymore. Your command is to not let anybody be poor around you. And so those of you who are fat and sleek, you better be given some stuff away because you've got more than you need. And so then God says, shall I not punish them for these things? Now, how do I know that this sort of applies to us? Well, first, I've been an evangelical all my life. And I know our politics has have caused us while while we do some good deeds for the poor, we don't care about justice for the fatherless. We our right wing religion has caused us to care more about banning abortion, about banning gay marriage, about winning the battle of power for the Supreme Court, of, of imposing our Christian will on a nation than caring about the cause of justice for the fatherless. And God says, shall I not punish them for these things? Shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? Now, when we hear that word nation, you know, we would think, oh, well, America is our nation. But, but actually, when he's talking about nation, he's talking about people groups. So a nation could be a village of people. It could be a very small group of people. It's wherever a people group is. So a nation in biblical terms can be our city. It can be our region. Like I live in Fresno. I live in Fresno County, which is a little bit bigger. And I live in Central California, which is a region. And then I have a state that I live in of California. And then America is the much larger part of that. But but I am responsible in some ways for the heart and the spirit of that mindset that we share as a city, region, state, and country. And so he says, if we're not taking care of justice for the fatherless, the poor, the widow, the foreigner, the marginalized, God says, well, I'm going to have to avenge myself at some point. And then this is what he said. This is the verse that's always jumped out at me as we get to verse 30 of Jeremiah 5. It says, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? So get where I'm going with this. I hear this sort of thing in my core, in my spirit, in my mind, wherever, however you want to define it, that's saying, Paul, a generation of the evangelical Christian church has made a determination and they're not going to turn around and it's going to injure the next two generations. And Gen Z, we kind of get locked in with the boomers there, but the millennials and Gen Zers are going to have to recover from the damage done by this generation of the evangelical church. And God saying, my judgment is on that church because they haven't cared about justice for the fatherless. They've judged without justice, those people. And then he says, and here's something that shows you that's happening in verse 30. The prophets prophesy falsely. So what have we seen happen in our day? If you're in my stream and you know there are people out there that call themselves prophets, 
Um, they've prophesied very falsely in this season. There was a big meeting of prophets in 2019, and they all came out, and there were a ton of, of prophecies. Trump's going to be elected to a second term. Trump will be elected. Trump is God's man. All of these declarations. And you know how many people prophesied at that event that COVID was coming in 2020? This many. Zero. If you're hearing supernaturally from heaven about what's coming in the year ahead and you're in the fall of 2019 and you're telling me I'm hearing from God, Donald Trump's going to be reelected. So you better believe it because I'm telling it to you. And you then haven't told me that COVID is coming. That's going to disrupt the entire world economy and our lives and cause, cause us to be stuck in our homes for months. Um, should I trust that you're hearing from heaven? Ruminate on that a little bit. And then what did we hear from the prophets? It's going to go away by April, one prophet said on Fox News. And what did we hear from the president? So then it says here, the priests rule at their direction. What did we hear from the president? Oh, it's going to go away in April miraculously. A prophet was prophesying that HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, was going to wipe out COVID. And what did we hear from the president? Take hydroxychloroquine. What do you have to lose? The prophets prophesy falsely and priests rule at their direction. You know, the first place I ever heard of QAnon was from a prophet in my tradition of Christianity. Somebody who has told me things about my life that I don't know how they could have known if they didn't hear them from heaven, but they were the ones and now are big proponents of QAnon for so many. So I read Jeremiah 5 and know the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah saying, hey, God's people, You've made a decision that you're not going to be able to turn back from. And God's judgment is on us because we don't care about the poor, the fatherless, the foreigner, all the things that God commands over and again. So Jeremiah, go make a declaration that, that my judgment is coming, but know that they're not going to be able to hear because they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. And I feel like there was something that was said to me, go make those declarations, Paul, and they're not going to be able to hear it because they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. In 2018, something happened that was irreversible for the church. We also see that in Matthew 24 in the New Testament. It, let me read a, a, a passage. Uh, uh, it's Jeremiah chapter 5, guys, for those of you asking about the passage. So we see this in the New Testament. Now, some of you may not realize that what I just read in Jeremiah and what I'm about to read in Matthew didn't happen concurrently. They were about, I think, about 2,000 years apart. And so this is how Jesus said his version, I believe, of what Jeremiah was saying in like Jeremiah chapter 5. Matthew 24, it says, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. They were like, look how cool these buildings are. And Jesus said, you see all these buildings? So it says, he answered them. You see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be one 
left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So I'm going to talk more about what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24. And, and, and know this, Matthew 24 is a passage we use often to talk about the future and, and sort of end times, terrible things coming. And I want to tell you why I think that's a complete misunderstanding of what's happening in Matthew 24. But first, I need to do a little commercial here. Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Paul. Let me interrupt myself for a moment to just have a quick conversation about what I do in my work to bring unique conversations about 21st century Christianity to the world around us. I do four podcasts a week. I do a spiritual gathering that I'm a part of and lead uh, most Sundays. I am doing a new Hearing God moment on Thursdays. I do three to four TikToks per day. Bible teaching on YouTube. I try to do a blog a week. I'm trying now to write a new modern day parable every week. I'm trying to write a new book. I'm doing a lot and I do coaching. To fund all of that, to make this my vocation that I do to get the message out as well as take care of my children and my household and do the things I'm to do as a parent and a responsible adult is I do coaching both emotional well-being coaching and spiritual coaching. And I have a subscription service on our nonpartisan evangelical Patreon community. So if you would like to help, and you guys do so much to help by following my videos, liking them, sharing them, I appreciate all of that so, so much. And that all helps. Please don't hear me say that's less than financial help. But money is a reality of our life. And so if you would like to help spread the message of the nonpartisan evangelical, I don't pass the plate. I don't take tithes. I don't ask for ministry support with tax deductible donations of a 501c3, as so many ministries do. I offer coaching services, spiritual coaching services, and a subscription service for content called Patreon. I would love for you to help if you can financially. Hear me. I understand some of you are simply not in a position to do that right now. I get it. And if you can't, that is totally okay. But if you can, would you help? And here's how you do it. Maybe you've been thinking about having coaching, spiritual coaching. I do a, a wellness being coaching cohort. Our next one is starting in April, and I would love to have you join that. Then I have another one starting in June. Coming up down the line, we'll have some weekend intensives and seminars as well, but that's a little bit away still. So right now, my best coaching is done in these cohorts, a 15-week program, and I can tell you more about that if you send me a message and say, hey, I've been thinking about having some coaching. Maybe Pastor Paul would be a good coach to have. And the other way is to sign up for a subscription on my NPE Patreon community page. If you go to my website, pastorpaul.com, it'll take you to the broadcast or to the podcast page. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a join us on Patreon button. Some of you, if you're going through another device, that button doesn't show up. So you can go directly to the site at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash N-P-E podcast. That's nonpartisan evangelical N-P-E podcast. Patreon dot com slash N-P-E podcast. Once you subscribe at the $5.99 a month level, you get access to our private Facebook group and to my novel 
audiobook. I have a novel called Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong. And the only place you can get the audiobook version of it is through an audiobook series I've done on our Patreon site. That is the only place you can listen to the book on audio. It's not in Audible. It's not anywhere else, only on our Patreon page. I also do exclusive commentaries for each section to tell you what I was thinking and what speaks to me in those. I also do special gatherings to talk about the book with our Patreon community. So if you're with our subscription service, you get some extra cool stuff because I so appreciate the financial help. If you move up to that $12.99 level, I'll send you an autographed copy of my book. The $26.99 level, you'll get some cool swag and some other stuff. And then at the $100 a month level, we'll have a personal visit once a month to hang out. If you want to help me financially and all of that came too fast, just send me a DM and say, how can I help? We can even Zoom and I'll talk it through to find out what works best for you. I would love to see you and see how we can work that out. But we're in a season where I've been experimenting, trying to build things. I'm going to rebrand and do a whole bunch of cool new stuff. But I need to figure out how to make a living doing this. And I'm excited to see that this is growing. So I'm not here as a TV televangelist telling you, send me your donation for this crystal swan and God will bless you with your tax-deductible gift for this thing that we're selling to you. No, I pay taxes on the money I bring in because I want to pay taxes and help my community. And you won't get a tax break, but you will get a reward of being a part of this community and helping it to grow. Again, only do it if you can support it and afford it. There's no way I would ask you to go above and beyond your means to do so. But if you can, for as little as $5.99 a month, subscribe to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash NPE podcast. And if you've been thinking about, oh, I would love to check in with somebody once a month for some spiritual coaching, send me a DM, send me an email through the website, pastor-paul.com. Let's talk about it, how we can work that out. Or let's get you into our coaching cohort. It will change your life and your life changed changes the world around you pastor-paul.com will take you to my podcast website you can contact me through the events contact page or you can send me a dm on tiktok or through youtube the message to the 21st century world from 21st century christians is god is not mad at you Let's start some unique discussions around what that looks like and help spread that message by joining the Patreon community with the nonpartisan evangelical or getting coaching that will change your life. And then I'll be able to continue to do four podcasts a week, a spiritual gathering, a hearing God moment, three to four TikToks a day, Bible teaching on YouTube, and a blog and a modern day parable each week. Because doing those things helps impact people and change their lives. And it makes me very, very happy. If you have any questions, send me a message through the website, pastor-paul.com. Now, back to my discussion about what it means to be living in a post-evangelical world here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com. Love you all.
So he's talking about Matthew 24. Jesus is saying, Jesus' disciples are saying, Jesus, look at this temple. Isn't our religious system amazing? Isn't our racial heritage amazing? This is what it's all wrought, is this incredible group of buildings known as the temple. And Jesus looked at it and said, you love all these buildings? You love this religious system? You love your national heritage? It's all going to be gone. In fact, it's so going to be gone, not one stone is going to stand on top of another. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not putting down Judaism, and I'm not putting down the Jewish race. What I'm saying is a part of that religion that became so intertwined with politics and government and law that it became oppressive to the people, that's what Jesus was speaking against, not the Jewish people and not the Jewish nation. He was speaking against, just like I'm not speaking against Christianity I'm speaking against a segment of Christianity in the evangelical church that has made decisions that make it an oppressive spirit in our culture and a divisive spirit in our culture, rather than one that reflects the heart of God as modeled to us through Jesus Christ. Okay, hear that clearly. But Jesus was saying that religious system that's intertwined with with your your nationality and your, your nationalism that's going to go away. It's going to get completely destroyed. And by the way, in the meantime, it's going to take away eyes to see and ears to hear of those religious people. And anybody that doesn't beware of that in the future, the same thing's going to happen to them. They're no longer, if they don't beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're not going to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that, I believe, is what we're seeing in America today that Jeremiah could be here today saying, the prophets prophesy falsely, the rulers rule at what they hear from the prophets, and my people like it that way. How can I not judge a people such as this? So I I believe because of that, we're going into what I call a post-evangelical world. Kind of a scary term, huh? But what it means is I'm not here to declare destruction to the Christian religion, I'm saying it's time that a mindset is going to pass away and a new mindset comes, just like the New Testament is all about how this old religion has passed away and the new has come. And we read in the book of Hebrews how that religion, that old religious system was never God's plan in the first place anyway. And Hebrews is all about how don't go back to that old system, but go to the new. And before I go deeper into Hebrews, let me tell you one thing about Matthew 24, because some people, some people believe Matthew 24 is a chapter about things to come, an apocalyptic end to the world. Well, I believe Matthew 24 is actually pointing to the destruction of the temple, and Matthew 24 actually occurred in AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed in a fierce, horrific fashion by the Roman army. And so when you read Matthew 24 or you read Daniel, be careful that you don't go, oh, this is something that's coming in the future. I believe it's something that was predicted to be coming in the future when it was written, not something that's coming in the future for us. What the book of Hebrews is saying is 
that old system is going away and a new will come. I saw somebody said, what does that look like? And I would say this, um, it looks like what I think we already see happening in the evangelical church. Its membership roles are shrinking. They have been for a long, long time. Uh, the millennials are um, statistically the lowest church attending generation in American history as they've come into adulthood. And Gen Zers, we're told by stats, are going to be even less of a church attending generation. So we see the, the evangelical church is already naturally seeing its influence start to erode. Now, right now, we're having one last big scream, we're still in charge of the world. But millennials and Gen Zers are saying, hell no, we won't go. Now comes COVID, and they're telling us now, I'm hearing from my pastor friends that the predictions are at least 40% of regular churchgoers pre-COVID will never be going back. So that's another 40% you're lopping off. Now add in January 6th. Now add in Christian nationalism that so many of us now are going, oh my God, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be part of that. And I think we're going to see an evangelical church simply become irrelevant in, the, in future generations. That breaks my heart to say, because I love the evangelical church. It's my heritage. They're my peeps. But I believe we made some decisions to make religion not about connecting people to God, but making it like the Pharisees did about a list of rules. And we're going to parse those rules down so fine so that we can say, we're us, we're God's people, they're good, we're good, and everybody else is them, and they're not good. We're going to heaven, they're not. They're going to hell. And because they're going to hell, I can wipe my feet, wipe the dust off my feet and hands and clothes and say, you don't matter anymore. As Jonah said, like, God, I don't want you to have mercy on these people. I want them destroyed. And if you're going to have mercy on those people out there, then just kill me. I would rather not exist than live in a world where you will have mercy on people who I don't think good enough for your favor. Does that sound like the evangelical church of today to you? It kind of does to me. So what does reconstruction and what does post-evangelicalism look like? Here's what it looks like to me. Hebrews 18, after saying the priest standing all day making sacrifices in the temple was never good enough to take away sin. Following a form to get rid of sin was never God's plan to begin with, the book of Hebrews tells us, and the book of Romans tell us. And here's what it's supposed to look like. This is Hebrews, what chapter, man? Hebrews 10, verse 15. Hope it's okay that I'm preaching to you guys in the podcast today. I'm having fun. I'm going a little over my time. I'm going to have to wrap this up. But Hebrews 10, 15 says, the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, does God, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds 
no more. So it's not a God that wants to heap more rules upon us. It's a God that wants to say, we're going to come into a relationship where I don't even remember your sin anymore. There's nothing you can do that will cause me to remember your sin. And verse 18 says, where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any need for offering for sin. So I don't get to condemn you for your actions because God has already taken uh, taken care of all of it. So what does post-evangelicalism looks like? Our theology is now defined by two things. It's not defined by all this other crazy stuff. It's defined by this, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, your neighbor is your enemy. And if you only love your friends, how are you any better than the worst sinner out there? And God is saying, you don't need to spend a lot of time learning the rules anymore What you need to learn is relationship with me, where my rules will be written on your hearts and minds. And the rules of God are not don't drink, don't chew, and don't date girls that do. The rules of God are not don't be homosexual. The rules of God are not don't get divorced, which Christians have totally ignored that part of the Bible now because we kind of like divorce. The rules of God are this. I came to give you life to the full. And so anything that gets in the way of you having a full life, that's what we got to get out of your life. In the book of James, it says, to him who knows to do right and does it not, to him it's sin. What it means is there can be something in my life that is a detriment to my relationship to God or my relationship to people around me or my understanding of my value. And if I do that thing, that is Sin. Now, not sin that sends me to hell, but sin that creates a hell around me. That God is going to say, we got to fix that at some point. And that's what post-evangelical Christianity is going to look like. I don't have to go to my Muslim friend and demand that he come into my belief system. I can say, hey, you don't need your religion any more than I need mine. Let's just go to God and say, God, work it out. And let's wrestle with it together in relationship. Love God, love your neighbor. And let's figure out how to stir one another towards love and good deeds. Matthew, excuse me, Isaiah 9 is the story we use for Christmas that says this, unto us a son is given, unto us a child, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That son is a word of, of somebody who is connected to heaven, who has a connection to the supernatural world outside of us. A son is given, and his name is, is, is not going to be called Jesus, which I've always found interesting, but his name is going to be Emmanuel. And you know what the word Emmanuel means? And my son goes to a high school called Emmanuel, which is kind of fun. Emmanuel means God with us. That means whatever that is up there, come to earth, putting on skin and, and us learning together how to live together. And it says this really interesting thing. And for Emmanuel, the government is going to rest on his shoulders. Not, not the government is going to need a Messiah president like some jerk off like Donald, excuse me, sorry, some guy like Donald Trump to save us. The government is going to rest on the shoulders of this principle of Jesus. We don't have to impose laws on people to try to get them to be Christian. We, we need to come with service and say, 
We want to show you how to walk this out because the laws of God are written on our hearts and our minds, and we're working it out with God on a daily basis. Wow, thank you, Sandra Crow, for signing up for Patreon. You're awesome. I hope some more of you can do that. So it says the government will rest on the shoulder of this idea of God in the flesh. <laughs> Sorry, somebody's laughing. I, I'll, you know, cussing has been a big part of my TikTok lives lately. The government is going to rest on the shoulders of this idea of God interacting with humanity. And it says this really interesting thing. And to the increase of that government and of peace, there will be, it's going to go away and then it'll come again out of the second coming. No, it says there will be no end. So from from the beginning, it's, it's always growing, and the kingdom of heaven is always advancing. So we don't have to take over the government and force it to be Christian. We partner with the idea of Jesus saying, you get to go right into the throne room of heaven. You get to have interaction with the spiritual world in and of yourself. I'm sorry, I feel, I feel like I'm going crazy because I'm excited with this message. So is a deconstruction at hand? Yes. And we see so many people going through it. And the beauty of that moment is so many people are saying, wow, I didn't realize how traumatized I was growing up in my evangelical church. I didn't realize how the very poor translations of the Bible that impose the bondage of the law on me are not God's heart. Those are, that's a man-created religion that Jesus never came to create. And so we're in a season where God is now saying, I've been declaring that if it doesn't change, I'm going to have my judgment. And to me, he came and said, okay, Paul, declare that judgment. That's not turning around in this generation, but the promise of God will continue to live on forevermore. And that's the message of the nonpartisan evangelical. That's the message of Pastor Paul that Jesus was saying, you see this religious system, it's got to go. Not the Jewish religious system, mind you. Again, let me be clear. Any religious system that says we are going to put rule upon rule upon rule to make somebody look second class and heap shame on them, that religion has to go because once you get in relationship with the creator of the universe and that creator, that creative spirit of the universe tells you that you are good and and perfect and exactly what you're supposed to be. And you start to get in relationship with that idea that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm incredibly crafted. I have a unique purpose on this planet that will go on into eternity. Suddenly, I become a better person to people around me because I know now the commands of my life are love God and love my neighbor as myself. And that's it. I don't have to tell the homosexual or the abortionist or the mother who just felt she couldn't make it, so she aborted her baby. I don't have to tell them they're going to hell anymore. I don't have to heap shame on them. I get to be like Jesus saying, let me connect you to God, declare you a son of Abraham, declare you a son of the Most High God, and your life is going to be changed, and you will be everything the Creator dreamed that you would be. That's what post-evangelical Christianity looks like. So if you're watching this and you're an atheist or a Muslim or a Buddhist or something else, I want you to know I'm not here to change you into Christian. 
I'm here to say that Christian story changed my life. And if anybody's interested in hearing more about that and, and learning how to walk and be more like Jesus, I'm all in. We can have that discussion. But I don't, I don't, I'm not telling you you have to come out of your religious belief system or religious heritage, but any religion that gives a bondage that says you have to follow these rules to get God's favor, I want that to go away, whatever that religion is or looks like. And I want you to be free to say, man, I'm amazing and I deserve to have honor and safety and value and purpose. That's why I do emotional well-being coaching, because I believe that is the work of God. I think the church has missed the importance of mental well-being for so long. We've blown it. And I feel like my job going forward is to, is to tell people that voice in your head that's telling you you're no good, that voice in your head that's telling you you're a sinner made of dirt, that's not the voice of God. And that's not the right voice to be setting your mindset going forward. And once that mindset gets changed, you're going to be a carrier of the goodness of God and heaven to the world. So good. So that's what a post-evangelical world could look like. And let me tell you this, being post-evangelical myself, I get to love people that I never got to love before. And it's so amazing. I love it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you guys on YouTube. I'm so glad that you're talking to each other. I felt like the podcast this week needed to be me and that this message needed to be shared. So that's why I'm so glad Lisa and Joy and Bobette, you guys are there with me on YouTube. My good friend, Joy, I just love you. I believe the judgment of God is on a generation of the church. My wife and I, not for those reasons necessarily, we just felt like our season was done with being inside a church, inside of being a part of a church inside the walls. And that meant we have, had to leave behind a community that was sad for us. And that community, I think, in some ways is kind of mad at us. In other ways, they don't understand. And so I wanted to share this message today. This is what a post-evangelical following of Christ can look like in my mind. I don't have to tell you how to be Christian. I'm just going to display a life of being connected to the God of the Christian church. And I think it may inspire you not to be Christian, but to be the best you you can be. And if I'm living as the best me I can be with the rules, love God, love my neighbor as myself, and you're living as the best you you can be, we're not going to need guns to control each other. We're not going to need laws to impose Christianity on people. We're going to be doing good for one another. And I know particularly Christians tell me that's naive. You're not going to be able to make that happen. But maybe I'm just crazy enough to be the guy to start to call it out. The book of Hebrews, the book of Romans are clear. The rules don't work. They never have, and they were never God's intent. Being in relationship with God and relationship with each other and working the mess of that through together, that was always the plan. And that's what he's calling us to 
today. Very cool. So God bless this message to everybody hearing. Love on us today. This Palm Sunday week with the triumphal entry coming where people are like, yay, our Messiah, our King is coming. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, they're a week later saying, crucify him. Give us the zealot. We want government overthrow. We don't want a suffering servant, just like the evangelical church would say today. We don't like Jimmy Carter, a humble, meek, Habitat for Humanity building president. We want an asshole like Donald Trump who will let us win. We want our prophets to prophesy falsely and our leaders to lead out of the false prophecy. We like it that way. And for my evangelical friends, many who know me, who lead evangelical churches from the best of your heart, I know that message is hard. But I believe it is the true message of the season. And so all I can do is offer it up as humbly as I can and say, there you go. God would say, how can I not judge people that don't champion the cause of justice for the fatherless, who aren't hospitable to the foreigner, who aren't willing to sit with the marginalized? When that is the major command of all of scripture from end to end, not banning abortion, not banning gay marriage. Those are things human beings have concocted out of its all. The command is love your neighbor. Take care of the poor. Take care of the widow. Take care of the foreigner. Take care of the marginalized. Take care of those not in your race. Take care of those not in your religion. Take care of those not in your country. And oh, by the way, take care of the planet. And we've made it something else. That's so ugly. A post-evangelical world, I think, can be a much less divisive, much more God-focused world. All right. I want to do one thing that I'm going to do in podcasts going forward. I'm going to show you my favorite creator of the week for you to check out. But first, let me do a quick uh, commercial. I told you you could join my Patreon page and get the audio book. This Saturday, if you join my Patreon group, we're going to have a book discussion group. You don't have to have read my book, Joseph Comes to Town. We're just going to have a discussion group that comes together this Saturday morning. And so these are just the types of things that if you're in my Patreon group, you get a little bit of special access to me, if that matters to you, a little bit of special access to one another. And it has a very low cost of $5.99 a month to help continue to spread this message and let me live and do the things that I do. Now, if that even that amount of money is a hurdle to you, you let me know. You DM me on my on TikTok and uh, I'll, I'll work that through with you. Um, so let me let me ask you two more things I need you to do for me. So TikTok has been shadow banning me for over six weeks now. TikTok is artificially holding down my views. And you know how I know this is happening? Well, the numbers are indisputable. But yesterday, yesterday, I posted a video on the evangelical-ish page, the podcast I do with April and Jeremy. You know how many views that video has 
as of this morning when I looked, 150,000 views. I posted a video on my personal page yesterday, and you know how many views that has? 4,000 views. 150,000 on evangelicalish, 4,000 on my personal page. You know how many followers those two pages have? Uh, when that video was posted on evangelicalish, had about 5,000 followers. You know how many I have on my page? 62,000 followers. Something is not matching up, and it's been that way for six weeks now. So um, here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm opening a second TikTok page, and for the time being, my content is going to be on that page. Um, for those of you on YouTube, I'll show it to you. How do I do that? Um, oh, boy, someday I'm going to get smoother at this and not have to produce my own shows. So here we go. You're going to love this, guys, or you're going to hate it if you hate me already. Um, here's my new TikTok page. It's called Swearing Pastor Paul, like swearing, as in saying curse words. And you guys on YouTube can see it. Swearing Pastor Paul. So would you do me a favor and go right now, if you're on TikTok or if you're on YouTube, go there and follow my Swearing Pastor Paul page. I've got to beat this algorithm, guys. It's, it's just, it feels like such an injustice that they're holding my videos down. And so those numbers are, are convinced me I need to make a change. So one of the things I'm doing is starting a new TikTok page. So Swearing Pastor Paul, will you go find it? Um, and the other thing I want you to do is go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pastor Paul. I'm going to start doing a lot more things on YouTube. Um, oh, yes, there is a link in my bio to my YouTube channel as well. Thank you. Who, who said that? Brunswick22, you the man. Um, yeah, so go to um, YouTube and subscribe to my Pastor Paul channel. And I'm going to start doing a lot more through YouTube because I've lost a little bit of faith in TikTok. Um, I love TikTok. I love the creativity. I love it. But it's just made me nervous that it can't be trusted. I don't think I'm being oppressed by TikTok. I think a group of people got together and started mass reporting me, and it caused the algorithm to kick my page down. I don't think I'm being oppressed. I just did a video yesterday, got 150,000 views. It's just somehow a group of people were able to make TikTok start to work against me. So if you would go, my new uh, TikTok page is Swearing Pastor Paul, and my, new, my YouTube channel is the Pastor Paul YouTube channel. So if you would go do that, I would really appreciate it. All right. So one other thing I want to do is show you my creator of the week, um, something I want to do on a regular basis, because I love to give whatever small platform I have to other people. I want to promote people that are doing amazing things. So here's a TikToker that has about 5,000 followers. And I want you guys to know him. He's a friend of mine. His name is Micah. And he's just a really special guy. And he's going through his own deconstruction, reconstruction journey with the best heart that I've seen. So those of you on TikTok, you're only going to be able to hear. But his, his moniker on TikTok is, is Pondering Worshipper. And you'll be able to hear this on, on TikTok, but you guys on YouTube, I want to show you my creator of the week, Pondering Worshipper, my good friend Micah. Here he goes. What if you're wrong? What if this Christian man who went out and killed a bunch of Asians wasn't just an isolated issue, but it actually was a problem with our theology? 
What if the fall of people like Ravi Zacharias wasn't just an isolated case, but actually was a product of the theology we promote? What if people living on the streets and barely making ends meet aren't just because they're lazy and don't work hard enough, but because we've created systems that intentionally keep them where they are? What if we're wrong about the ways that we treat our LGBTQ siblings who are suffering enough already without our theology being banged over their head? What if we're wrong? Have you ever even thought of that question? Because if we're wrong, we've done screwed up. And I'm really thinking we're wrong. But it's gonna take us having the open hand in order to ask that question and think critically about things and not just hold on to what we were always taught and always told. What if- Wow, that guy is smart. And he can say in 60 seconds more than I can say in the hour I've been sitting here. Pondering worshiper, go check him out on TikTok. That guy is smart. And that was an awesome video. All right, let me play, pray a blessing over all of you. So I'm just so privileged to have this platform on TikTok, on YouTube, on all the podcast outlets. And so to everybody who does me the honor of giving me their time, the most valuable resource available, I speak blessing over you today. I say, heaven, interact with your heart, your core being, your spirit today so that you can know your value in the universe. You are not insignificant. You are not a speck of dust, unworthy of value. But I say you are the most valuable, most precious thing in all the universe. And that your spirit and my spirit are connected. And therefore, your goodness and your value and your well-being are connected to my goodness and my value and my well-being. And I speak that over you today. Have a great Palm Sunday week, everybody. Subscribe to my podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Join my Patreon page. Follow Swearing Pastor Paul. <laughs>